Hey guys, my name is Kyle and Sarah, and I'm what most people describe as a restaurant guy. I have one purpose in this podcast and on all my social media platforms, and that is to do my part by sharing my experience and what I've learned in helping to reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. Look, I didn't do everything perfect. I don't have all the answers, but what I can share with you is my experience, what I did right, what I did wrong, and what I would do exactly the same. I'm also going to have guests on who are going to tell their story and help share some of their insight so that you restaurant owners and operators can learn from other people in the country, realize that you're not alone. A lot of these issues we all have had, we've all experienced, and collectively we can do our part to help make sure that restaurants continue to thrive in our communities and continue to be sources of uh, employment, places of gathering, and whatever comes in the future, we're all going to do it together. So this is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, we're live, brother. Sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, you're taking the jacket off. Damn. Yo, man, I got to flex on people. <laughs> Damn, dude. I didn't know it was going to be like that. Well, yo, thanks for, uh, for doing this. I know it's been in the works for a while. And we, you know, I got to say up front, when did you and I work together? When was that, 1999? 99 and 2000. I remember, I remember you piecing out the door. You were like, I'm out. See you. I'm out of here. Like, oh, literally. Ogilvy, dude. But you were like my favorite person to work with. And like this dude, um, we'd have so much fun, like partying after work and everything like that. But at one point, I remember you were like, like you zip tied me to the chair at one point. I went to get up. I couldn't get out of it. It was ridiculous, man. But, you know, you had young people being creative, running around. That was nuts, man. That, that job was like, I describe that job all the time to people. It was like a halfway house from my college in the real life. Like totally. we went there, you had work to do, but like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like you weren't like stressing it. No, no. I mean, we're, we're putting TV commercials in like, you know, I remember like Shasta McNasty was one of the shows that was, uh, I remember we had to watch all the shows. I'm like, where, where should Hidden Valley Ranch go? And you're like, oh, it should be in Shasta McNasty. You're like, um, dude, that was, when, you, well, when, you were on the, weren't you on like the drug, like the anti-drug? I was on account? the anti-drug. Yeah. That was an interesting campaign to work on. <laughs> well, you were on- like on IBM all classed up and we're like, we, we really, it was an interesting group for the anti-drug. No, no, but I started on the fucking cotton account. That was horrific. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was terrible. The touch to feel, baby. Yeah, I remember I that. Know. That's right, dude. <laughs> I mean, look, that, that job, does that job still exist, I wonder? Yeah, it does. Really? Um, yeah, they, they negotiate. They still do the same thing, but they do a lot of digital media buying now. I see a couple um, people like, uh, I see Melissa, I see Dom, I see Carl. I still see these people sometimes. They all live in the area here. It's kind of funny. That's, that's kind of cool. There's some fun people. So what we the hell have you been times. doing? Yeah, they, they, are, they are of the people that I'd want to run into. They're, they're the ones. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Well said. So what, what, uh, what the hell have you been up to, man? Well, man, you know what? Like a bunch of stuff. So I stayed in advertising while you were out, like opening restaurants in paradise and like doing all these different things that you're doing. I was, um, I stayed in advertising. I ended up moving like the account service side and then doing some creative stuff. Um, I worked at like a uh, mower, which is a, a national firm with like nine offices. Then 
Um, worked at a couple other small places and then ended up being the chief operating officer of an ad agency called Digital Hive. So Wait, what? Like 50, the, hell, the what? The what officer? Yeah, I know, right? Like I somehow <laughs> took them. Don't listen. If you're listening to this, man, turn it off right now. So yeah, like I did that for a couple of years, but I always wanted to teach. And what I wanted to do, like, uh, someone once said to me, this guy was a mentor of mine. I was hanging out with him and his wife and he's like, well, in a perfect world, what would you really love to do? And I've been adjuncting at Syracuse University a little bit at the Newhouse School. And I was like, I'd like to teach full time and do cool creative stuff on the side that I think is cool. And he's like, well, why don't you do that? So yeah. um, I got my MBA and then uh, told Digital Hive and I'm still really close to those guys and do a lot of work with them. So I got a job three years ago teaching full time advertising, creative advertising and those and those fields, public relations. So I do that full time. I run a marketing consulting firm. Um, mostly like creative consulting stuff, work with some beer clients. I mentioned the cannabis client we're working with, um, some law firms, um, some corporations too. And then when I'm not doing that, the plan is to get this label off, man, get Spatchcock Funk, our uh, cooking show going. So um, a lot of cool stuff going on, but my schedule, like I get to play golf in the summer when I want to. Um, working, like I get great joy in working with the students, man. They're super bright and creative. Like it's, it's, and it's also great too, because when you're in meetings, like, you know, and like an ad agency, like you're talking to people and they don't listen to you, but students, you say something like, oh my gosh. And they start writing, you know? So I know I had like a little, I had like a little, so they asked me to do a, I think it was like an entrepreneur thing at um, like Nyack college. And they was, I could not believe the kids looking at me. Like, I was like, what am I going to talk about? But then you start to think like, okay, I got a lot of shit I can talk about here. And they were like, questions and yeah I, I love that stuff i actually you know you when i saw that you i think i text you or we talked about on instagram one time quickly I'm like how the hell did you even get into adjunct stuff yeah you just yeah. apply because you don't need it you don't need a degree for that right that's just like experience yeah you need to have they call it a terminal degree to be to teach full-time like an mba um some cases a phd but i'm not down with that <laughs> um i respect it but that's a lot of work so the player hated degree that's right. That's it, baby. It makes me proud. So these guys, um, the, so basically the adjunct, if you are active in the field, then you can teach a course there. What happens usually it's word of mouth. People will say, Hey, I know Kyle, he's really great. And to me, you'd be awesome at it. Cause obviously you're super fun to hang out with. Um, the other thing too, though, is like, like your Instagram handle, um, is easily in my, my favorite Instagram handles. Um, because like, you know, you and the daughter and all the stuff that you guys are doing in your personal life, it blends with your professional life, like seamlessly, because like what I tell my students, dude, there's no work life balance. You think that there is, yeah. but if you're doing something you care about, it is always in you. Yeah. And sure. the way that you are, dude, the way that you talk on there, this podcast, bringing in restaurants, you're trying to help people get better. Um, and that's what's up. So I think that's, you know, I, I think, you know, when you get involved with this and you can talk to this stuff because um, you know, your branding and your advertising background, but like, I think that when you are so passionate about something and you just ooze it and you give it away and you just talk about it and this, the, this day and age, that's what comes through is authenticity. Like, here's what I did. It, it sucked. Uh, but I don't want you to make the mistakes. So here's how it went for me. I don't have all the answers. I'm just telling you, like, this is what it is. And people connect, man. It's been crazy. I made the switch to so I work for a big commercial real estate firm and they're very buttoned up and you're, what you're allowed to do on social media was very like, they're like, we're going to give you articles that you can post. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like everybody had to be in a suit. Everybody had to be like basically branded the way they wanted to be. And it was terrible. And my buddy was like, dude, man, you just gotta, you gotta beg for forgiveness. Don't ask for permission. 
just go out there, you know, play within the lines. And if you cross over, just say, hey, sorry, I'll take it down or whatever the case may be. Since I made that decision, it's been like life-changing. And I just started putting shit out and telling people the real deal. There are no secrets anymore, right? Like I can Google uh, yeah. what LOI is, what, um, how much the rents are in a particular market. I could do that. But people want to still want to deal with people. And I think branding yourself and, and being authentic is a key there. But um, I mean, you, it's no different than products anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the way that you, but the way you go about it is what I, what, I, what I really like a lot about it is that it's the authenticity. But, you know, you're talking about like, hey, here's mistakes I made. And yeah. you're super honest about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm the all time, I'm like the LeBron James of mistakes in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I, There's I think, value in that, brother. There's value in that. There is. And when, when I, I hear about this stuff, so you've been a restaurant owner, an entrepreneur, you do these different things, right? What happens is though, is you give freely of that information. So to me, as I tell my students about all the bad campaigns that I've made or how I moved from media buying into other parts of it, all the mistakes that I made, it's like, okay, it took me until I was 38 to become a COO, right? So if I tell you all the awful dumb shit that I did, right, you should be able to do that in four earlier years, you know? Yeah, so right. like with, with your podcast in particular, the passion is real. Like, it's not like you're like, mm, okay, today we're talking about this. Yeah. Like you care about it. And it's, it's also honest and real. Like there's nothing better than seeing someone like uh, my, my, what got me excited about advertising in the first place and creativity to this day. And why I love cooking is there's a Michael Jordan commercial called failure. And it was him walking into the stadium. He's wearing like a sick suit and he's got his earrings and everything. And he's like, like, high fives like a security guy and walks by somebody else the entire time he's talking about how many shots he's missed how many yeah. times you know you're on the spot and the time, that. yeah, yeah. that's why i succeed and that like even when i tell that story now i get like misty eyed and goosebumps yeah because that's the thing that like that feeling if you can share that man like that's what's up like the cooking show we're having fun on um i mean we're not going to make something terrible but i for every like we post something and someone was like oh my god this is the best mac and cheese ever and it's like cool because you should try the first 13 we made it was trash like, the, the <laughs> yeah, skunk in my neighbor's yard wouldn't even eat it dude we 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 were talking about this the other day and gary vaynerchuk said does a thing and he talks about how it's really like the last scene in eight mile I don't know if you remember, but Eminem oh yeah, him. dude! And he told the guys like, "I am the, the free world," the and then like, yeah. yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, now what are you gonna say?" And the guy just looked at him like, "Yeah, so you can you can you can take the bullets out of everybody's gun, and you can say, yeah, I screwed that up. Yeah, I made that mistake.' And I think the authenticity wins, particularly now. And and I think you know to your point with the cooking stuff, people don't like that kind of stuff. Like I know even like with my experience, people are like, oh, "I don't want to cook in front of you." And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I probably burned and cut myself more than you ever have. So, like, that's how I can do this stuff. Yeah. So, like, just going out there and doing it and wanting to record it, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so you're talking about that being honest about it. So I did some work on a political campaign for a friend of mine who's the mayor of Syracuse, this guy, Ben Walsh, and he refused to do any negative campaigning. And he's just an authentic guy. And he would say, I, I, like on the radio, he's getting interviewed. He goes, actually, I was wrong about that. And I changed my opinion on it. And here's why. And all of a sudden his opponents wanted to attack him. And they're like, Oh, oh I guess there's something to say Yeah. With the, with the cooking stuff too, man. Like um, to me, like when I was growing up, my mom, like I would come home with like a couple of buddies from college, like from on my football team, like you and probably brought some diplomats back to your house, you know, and your dad. I like, tried to get a diplomat shirt for you. I couldn't find one. I, I, was, I was like hashtag dipset, you know? <laughs> so I uh, would come home with a couple of guys or some friends from college and my mom would act like we were just getting back from Vietnam, dude. There would be like a spread of like more food than anybody could eat. But to wow. me growing up, 
cooking and eating and, and drinking and, and having beers with people is a real way to show that you love them and care about them, you know? Yeah, right. So like our tagline, dope food plus strong drinks equals great stories. That's true. Like I have a ton of great stories about you and I. I remember the victory cigar uh, we smoked in your apartment after <laughs> Matt's lost the World Series. No, the, all those stories are built on going to cool restaurants and having yeah. drinks and you know what I mean? So if the idea of cooking and, and having drinks and teaching to me and your podcast that I, that I just love so much is the idea of sharing something, right? Like yeah. here, this is, this is mine. I want it to be yours now and do with it what you want. Throw it out if you want, take what yeah. you can. So that's big, man. I, you know, all the time it's like that battle with my wife was like, I'll say I'll cook cause I don't want to cook. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like for me, this is, this is me relaxing. This is like making a soup, just chilling, putting music on, having a drink while I'm, this is relaxation for me. It doesn't look like it. I mean, I don't want to clean up. You can absolutely come in here and clean up, but yeah. the cooking, yeah, dude, I love it. And I'll tell you, like, to, to what I was trying to get to uh, get at before in regards to, like, the eight-mile stuff is that when you, when you are that person, um, that's what people want to see because they're not very good cooks either, right? So they get intimidated be like, oh, you know, they download a recipe and it's like 19 steps. Like, how the hell am I going to do that? Then they see – a show where you like maybe burn a little bit of it or whatever that kind of stuff I think plays out plays out. I think that's what, what I think the home cook is really going to be into yeah I, I I couldn't agree more I always think about um like the movie The Help when um Minnie she's like Minnie don't burn fried chicken right when she's like cooking the chicken there right, right, right. and later on the, the big climax of that movie is she gets all this money and she's excited and her chicken burns on the stove. And to me, well, there's two things to come from that. But one, when you see people like Emeril Lagasse is the first chef that I watch on TV. Yeah, right. I'm like, I love to eat that, right? I love to eat his food. And I was like, why would he do this? Well, because most people aren't gonna make 19 steps of jambalaya. They're gonna go yeah, to his right. restaurant. Yeah, right. His stories are cool. That's um, the same thing. I mean, I'm sure you see that. That's how you get a lot of consulting gigs. I've done some like restaurant consulting stuff. And you know, a lot of it is giving out stuff for free. Restaurants are yeah. tough tough clients to have because they're on tight budgets. But what I'll, I'll say to them is like, you need to do X, Y, and Z. You need to cut your labor. You need to take a look at your P&L, make sure that's in order. And then they'll sit on it for a while. Then they're going to say, you know, why don't, can you just do it? How much is it going to cost you to do it? Like, like how, how much is going to cost us for you to do it for us? Yep. You know? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way the world works, right? It's like, I'm going to show you how it's done. You're going to follow me, whether it was on TV content, whether it was radio, you know, now it's online. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then eventually you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to give it a shot myself. Or, you know what? Can you, can you come do it yourself? Can you do it like yeah. for me, like private chef stuff? But yeah, my, my wife, um, so she, my wife's a big shot. She's the head of an ad agency um, of this, uh, this agency mall where she's head of their Syracuse office. Um, and another friend of mine, this guy I used to work for Digital Hive, they both had this approach that I've tried to adapt, not just in the consulting stuff, but if someone sends me and wants to get coffee with me, I'm going to get coffee with you. Yeah. And if you want, if you're asking for my advice on something, I'm going to give it to you, whether you like it or not, you've asked for it. Yeah. And more often than not, if it's useful for you and, and this never comes back for you hiring me, that's okay because it helped my brand out and hopefully I helped you out too. Yeah, but right. you're right. More often than not, someone's like, uh, you know what? That does sound cool, but bro, I don't think I can do that. So yeah. could you do it? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it. I actually took it. So in my Instagram bio, you go there, you click it, and you have like a Linktree account, and you click it, and the second one down is links to my calendar, and it's fifteen minute phone call. So like, I'm you know you can set up for what times you're available, and you change it every week, and I can set on the back end, and I just leave it up there, and it's like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, cool, bro, go here and do this. We could talk about anything. If you want to meet? Just use the same calendar. We can meet for like fifteen minutes, and we could we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
it's just accessibility. And I think that it's less friction, right? Like somebody can reach out to you and, and really, like they can see you on Instagram, say, oh my God, ask guy a question. Go to link, click the link, literally make the appointment right there and I call you the next day. I think that's very cool. And I think, I do think I, people are like, oh, it's a waste of time. No, it's not. I put in the time that I can afford. 15 minutes on these days. Yep. Let's do it. You're like the Megatron of cooking advice, dude. Like you, you're super approachable, but with cold blooded efficiency. <laughs> like here's the 15 minutes I got. It's coming at you. I'm gonna get my boy Soundwave on the yeah. ones and twos and here it goes. Dude, I fucking, I, I'm, I'm horrible with recipes. I like, don't add like, my mother-in-law's always like, I need the recipe for this. I'm like, I got bad news. I have no idea. I don't know what cup, half cup, quarter cup, 350, 375. I don't know, 400 if I'm in a rush. She's like, ah, I'm just, just going to come here. I don't want to make it. So she's the same way. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's funny about the recipes. That's so we're learning as we go with the show, dude. And like um, some of the episodes, the original ones, like the, the pilot, what we call the pilot was like 20 minutes long. It was jambalaya and it was awful. Like it's embarrassing to watch, but that's like, an aggressive recipe for your first one. You I know like Caesar salad or something. Dude, We call it six minutes. We're roasting duck. We're doing like cooking, like champagne and beer rice. Like it was stupid. But like now, if you go back, we have to go back now and like in our liner notes on YouTube, be like, okay, here's the recipe. And the problem is my partner, who's my partner, all this is my homeboy. He's awesome. He is the one that has his shit together and keeps everything going and has good. He's the film. The, the, the reason why the film quality is good is because he's awesome. He's a former agency guy too. Anyways, he'll be like, Hey dude, we got to put the recipe on here. What was that? I'm like, I don't know. Like watch the video. And he goes, you don't like, you don't you, you just grab something like, so I got to get better at that too, because I feel like you're right that we don't do that. I don't, you clearly don't. No, I mean, never. Classically trained to do that. But if you wanted to sit there and like map it out, you probably could. To me, so, I hate it. I, I like, I get that people need it to recreate the recipe. And there are people who are like, yes, here's my quarter cup of scallions, you know, you know, three quarters of a cup of olive oil. Like I get that. And that the food will taste it. But for me, that's like soulless. Like I need to just be like, boom, boom, boom. but like, I get it for baking. I need everything. Like I'm not a baker. I'm going to, I, I, uh, I can, I need the exact recipe and I need the box. And I'm talking about like the Duncan Hines mix box. How much oh, oil? Sure. What goes in first? The egg? Cause you put that in, you don't find out until 20 minutes later that it's garbage or not. Totally. And I do that. I put the things in the wrong, the wrong steps all the time. And it's, you know, it's funny though. You're mentioning like the soullessness of it. The thing I love about it is being like, all right, I'm going to go somewhere and get like, there's this awesome, it's called the um, Asian market. Uh, that's literally the name of the place. And it's on Creative. Boulevard. Creative. Dude, you walk in there and the seafood department, like, like um, the dudes like butchering live eels and they have all these different clams and stuff. And you walk over there and like, I heard a noise, my wife and I were in there and we look over there and there's a tub and it's full of live frogs. They're like looking at you, blinking. So this place has like the dopest stuff. So I'll go in there and be like, oh man, they got razor clams. Give me two pounds of those. And I'm gonna go home and try to whip something up. Where, so that's how you and I like to roll. But sometimes people be like, hey, can you make a dish for this, um, for our Thanksgiving or something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, could you make, you know, green bean casserole with this type of thing? And I'm like, I mean, I can. Like, you're gonna give me the recipe? Like, all right, you know? So that, that's a struggle, man sometimes and that's it i mean you want to make that's like being in a restaurant when you make this super creative dish and then somebody's like you know what, we're just gonna have the um the burger and you're like okay cool and another one comes in a burger another burger did you try it did they try the tuna special are you try yeah it's good. they don't want it okay yeah so i know that feeling and that's but you know that's that's a difference with running a business and like it's for them it's not for you that's a whole separate podcast but like chefs yeah. that with their ego so, so you know what though, some of, like you you know this way better than I do from the industry, but like we've been shooting episodes with chefs and restaurants, 
and they're all super chill people and they're good to work with. But before what we've done is like, they'll make something and then we'll bring like a little spin on it. Like um, we did tacos at my boy's place, Exo Taco. We did like um, duck confit tacos or something and made a cocktail, but they'll all have these different stories where like, they'll go in and be like, okay, um, I'm going to like braise this chicken for like six years and it's going to be like this, this or this. And then someone will come in and be like, yeah, can I get um, a burger well done? You know, or like, give me some eggs with ketchup on it. And it's like, okay, but you're going to come in and pay $40 for a burned hamburger that you could have got. And I love burgers, dude, but you know, it's, it's just, it's tough. The consumer's a finicky person, but at the end of the day, they're kind of the boss, you know, like, yeah, what are you going to do? Mario Batali, I mean, I know that's a controversial name to bring up right now, but he used to have a phrase that said, uh, give them what they want and charge them. You want this? Yeah, sure. I can make it for you. It's 40 bucks. You know, I, that that's, um, I've never interacted with him. I don't know if you and him are tight. So no, 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 but that, that me. quote though is super real because I think about like, um, like from the advertising side of it, and I'll tell my students this, like they should always come up with two or three ideas to pitch the client. One should be super crazy or aggressive and then tell the client, here's what I think is the right thing for you to do. And the client's like, yeah, but I want to do this. I always say, okay, that's cool. And I promise you, I will do exactly what you're asking me to do. But I want you to know that I'm suggesting this because this is the better idea. And if then they're like, no, I, I want a pink unicorn. And like, okay, then you get a pink unicorn. Yeah, um, there it is. But the, yeah, I mean, you know, at some point you have to be responsible to the peeps. So tell me about Spatchcock Funk and how it got started and what your intention is. And, and you know, I know that we started talking about this before, but like, you're looping in restaurant owners on this show. Like what, yeah. how is this? Is this like a relationship you're looking to build or what's the plan? Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. So first, um, my buddy and I, Alex, started this thing in July. Um, our original, like we've been talking about this for like four or five years because we throw like sick parties. Like we have the St. Patrick's Day party we throw on Prey Day. We have like bagpipers at eight in the morning. Um, we make like homemade corned beef hash where like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So we always cook these epic parties and like, and I'm using the word epic correctly. I know it's overused, but these parties were stupid. <laughs> but the next day, like there's a baby elephant in my front lawn and I'm like, how did that, how did that guy get there? <laughs> so these parties will be big and people are like, oh man, you guys are funny. You should do a show. So then we started like threatening to do it, but we had that problem. Like I read Andy Weir who wrote the Martian. He was on Reddit and he was doing an AMA and someone's like, what's good advice you have for somebody that wants to be a writer. And he was like, don't tell people your stories. Not because they'll steal them, because what happens is, and it happened for us with the cooking show, like I obviously respect your opinion. I might bump into you and say, hey, we're thinking about this cooking show. Here's the premise behind it. And the second you say, that's a cool idea, then I'm like, oh, cool. And my, my desire, my need has been sated a little bit. Yeah. So we need to pull the bandaid off and go for it. So in July, we're like, all right, um, the concept, Spatchcock Funk, dope food plus strong cocktail strong drinks equals great stories is the idea of telling stories through food and building relationships through food and drinking so right. we launched in july we're like yo if in one year we get in one year july to july we get like three thousand total views then um we'll keep going so now it's march and we're already ahead of that so we're moving in the direction we want to do three things like I love teaching and i can't imagine ever not doing that and i like most of my consulting work but there's some clients that i'm like I'm not interested in not passionate about it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so 
in a perfect world, right? We want to like, we're starting to get some, some restaurants and places that are interested in sponsoring us. So that's the first step we want to do. The second step is to start generating revenue through YouTube advertising and things like that. And we have our goal with our subscriber model, because I'll tell you about a couple episodes we have coming up that we think are going to really help us out. We've had guest stars like the mayor. I mentioned him earlier. He was a guest star in two episodes. And does he, wife, cook? is he like cooking or is he just there tasting? He's just hanging out. We made a, a really cool, a fun wine slushy um, that had a, a, a funny joke in it. And then um, we made walleye cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are pretty good. So, um, and then the restaurants come in and, and some other influencers. So, you know, after the YouTube revenue, we want to hopefully get to the point where like a streaming service or uh, the cooking network or food network or cooking channels, like, hey, we'll give you some money to make up episodes. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So, but I mean, some episodes we have coming up, this dude, um, his name is Nate and he runs White Thunder Barbecue. They've got like a few million. <laughs> Great views. name. Well, at first when he called me though, like he emailed my partner and he's like, Hey, uh, my partner's like, look at this dude's following. He wants to partner with us. We have to do it. I was like, totally. But then I got super terrified. Like what if white thunder barbecue is like a white supremacist? Yeah, like, yeah. You know? And I didn't know it. And all of a sudden I'm on there and everybody's like, yeah, you're fired. Super niche. Super yeah. niche marketing. Super niche. <laughs> so thankfully it wasn't that. And, um, so we have that coming up. We have two episodes that were, we've written out. One of them is, um, is we call it the rap episode, but it's actually gonna be called Shrimp and Gritty Rhymes. So we're bringing in a couple of rappers and a singer and we're gonna basically cook shrimp and grits while rapping. And then um, a, a former student of mine is like a music producer and he'll like lay down a track behind it. Yeah. So either it'll be colossally awful or good. So but that could be good too. That could be, that could yeah, be really yeah. good too. So yeah. what does that production schedule look like? How long does it take? I mean, are you filming every week, every month? What is that about? So we don't film every month. We, we try to release new content every two weeks. And we've been really good at that. For a while, we're doing it every week. And that was just overwhelming because my partner also works full time. Um, and he's got two beautiful little baby girls, um, like three and like, I don't know, six months old, maybe. So time is a luxury that he doesn't have. So what we do, though, is we'll get together and we'll shoot like three or four places. And we've had places like a common space or an apartment building or real estate people that reach out to us and said, hey, will you come and shoot in our kitchen and mention us on your show? And we're like, yeah, we'll do that. So when his schedule allows, we'll try to shoot two or three at a time. So we have, um, we're doing um, Kali Mocho, you know, the red wine, Coca-Cola, 50-50 mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing what is that. that. That's, that's a, isn't that like a Spanish thing? From yeah, running, from running, from running on the bowls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, we bring in like five bulls into my house. They trash everything. And my wife was pissed. Um, but <laughs> so we've content. got that lined up. Content. Yeah. We've got a bunch of stuff lined up and then we've got outlined, like we try to probably every month create three or four pieces of content to, you know, give us some runway. Are you um, actually writing these or you guys write them together? Like how do you come up with the ideas? And so you're just winging the recipes. So like what, we come what's, up with what's behind it? I guess my question yeah. is like, how much so we come done? up, we come up with the idea together and then, um, then I'll write out the recipe and write in some jokes and then he'll like nix most of the jokes. Like we made this one thing with like champagne and I was, I, I was making fun of the French in the um, spot and he still teases me. Like after we shot the first take, he's like, bro, we had to reshoot that whole thing. Like you eviscerated the French and that was totally unnecessary. I'm like, okay, so we had to reshoot that. So yeah, no, no French so, clients, no French sponsorships. Yeah. Which, but we love French people. You know what I mean? So we got to, so yeah. sorry, France. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're trying to like, so we'll uh, maybe see some like, dude, this is so cool. Let's make this. Or uh, we're, we're going to do a smoke bourbon Manhattan episode. Um, I just did an old fashioned because I like to drink those. So it one starts out like, what do we think? What do we like? And what's true to our brand? Like if someone was like, hey, we're going to make crepes. I mean, we maybe could make crepes. I mean, we could, we're capable of doing it, but 
is it on brand? I mean, unless we threw some pork belly in there and like, you know, some volcanic hot sauce or something, it's probably not going to be. So you're doing over the top type stuff. You're not doing like classical cooking. No, no. Like I would, the style I would describe it is kind of like a Cajun Creole blend a little bit. Like there's the four or five episodes that we have that we're not going to shoot for a while. Like one of them, like spatchcock is obviously named after spatchcocking a chicken. So we'll do something like that. But we, um, like I mentioned the help earlier to me, if someone is a really good cook, a chef or otherwise or a home cook, I don't care if they can cook a really good fried chicken, then they're good. Right. If they're, yeah. if they can't, then they, they got to work on some stuff. So we, we have a fried chicken episode we want to do. And um, you know, we have things that fit into what our plans are. Like um, I'm a huge fan of Snoop Dogg, like, and we're, we're do this episode. He has a cookbook. Yeah. So we take one of his dishes from it and we kind of put our spin on it. But the episode is actually like a love letter to him because the concept is, I mean, not like to try to date him, but like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying with the t-shirt and then yeah, you might maybe get. he'll share it. But the idea is this, like to me, the thing that makes him have had an important impact on, on my life and from a creativity standpoint, dude, I was a middle-class white kid from Baldwinsville, New York. And when like the chronic came out, I would put that CD in the CD player and plug in my headphones and I could totally relate to stories about like gang banging and like, <laughs> like running from like, he sends a song about being on trial for murder. And I could be like, I totally get it, man. My chemistry <laughs> professor hates me, you know? And but, you know what? He's still relevant now. That's another thing. Totally. Because he's a great storyteller. That's why you're, that's why your podcast is great because there's some things that I'm not in the, in the, in the market to buy a restaurant, but I listen to it because it's told well yeah. and a great storyteller. So the idea of that is like, Hey Snoop, here's a big thank you to how awesome you are yeah um, so snoop if you're listening to this podcast hit me up we should he's do a big it fan. He's actually yeah little known fact he's actually a huge fan of this podcast and, and he's the one that blows up your 15 minute <laughs> yeah. request all the time constantly snoop is on this constantly but so now your plan is to take this you want to get somebody like netflix to pick it up where do you go from there i mean that's a that's gonna be a big commitment right like i mean you get that that's not an unrealistic thing and i tell people all this time all the time about this is you know even with this podcast even with like content creating that's why i asked you about content creating because it's a job people think it's just throwing shit up on the wall but like when you get there i mean that's gonna be a real job and it's a realistic possibility that you can get this from youtube to netflix i mean that's not unheard that's of possible, but yeah. what are you gonna do i mean are you gonna give up your gig here the college looks pretty sweet Pretty it is pretty, it's pretty cushy over there. It, it's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, everything's made out of solid gold, actually. That's amazing. Um, is that Willy Wonka? Yeah, yeah. It's great. So, you know, I, I've thought about that, and it's weird to say it out loud, but I, yeah, there's obviously, I mean, I, I always want to be transparent with my friends, with everybody. So we think it's definitely a possibility because we're getting better, and we can get better every day. Um, so I have two answers to that. The first one is... I mean, I don't see myself not teaching. So if I got rid of everything else, I think I could still with my teaching schedule make that work because in the summer we could travel and do different things there where I would love to see that go. I, I like in a perfect world is they, let's say Netflix or, or somebody picks us up um, and they're like, cool, here's just do four episodes for us. Here's money. Um, and if nobody downloads it by, and that's okay. But let's say they're like, cool, we got some downloads. What else do you want to do? We have a bunch of ideas. Like we have an idea we want to do called the oyster hunters where we like go around different parts of the United States and the world on somebody else's dime and eat oysters oh, yeah. and drink and talk about it. So we like more so where we're creating content at scale. And also too, actually, we have a bunch of ideas for like sub brands, which is kind of an, cause I want to circle this back to you in a second. Like one of the sub brand ideas we have that my wife and one of my buddies had was a, a, a podcast or a, um, a YouTube series called Lunchtime Tattoos, where they have somebody get a t tattoo at lunchtime and they interview them and just talk while they're getting a tattoo. 
Because who wouldn't watch that? Well, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's great. Well, it's again, it's it's either going to be educational or entertaining. So that's right. entertaining, right? I mean, that's so that's. I mean, and you could do like pop up video, like here's what the tattoo is. Guess what it is. So yeah. I think about though, like what the long term goal is, because I, I I wonder that about your goal. So one of the things that I admire about the way that you do things and the way that you're living your life is you're obviously had this great family life and you're you're enjoying yourself, which is important. Tacos and champagne everywhere. <laughs> so. When, you, when you're living that life, though, the thing is, is you also have multiple revenue streams, right? You're doing real estate, you're running this podcast, and that's the way to, it does two things. It diversifies income level, which is important, but for you, every time I see you on this or posting something, it's like this dude cares about, like, here I am in Yonkers walking into this place, or yeah. a podcast with somebody else. So, I mean, where do you see that going as you diversified out? Where do you see- You know, I, I, it's hard because I, you know, with- with the restaurant stuff, I mean, I got fucking fired by my partners. So it was like this horrible situation. And I was like, I've been fired uh, by an ad agency. I get it. And so, I mean, I, I was, what happened was, you know, thankfully this is a lesson and I've spoken about it before is when you set up a business partnership, you want to have a partnership agreement and an employment agreement. So we were butting heads to the point. I just started being a dick and I didn't want to be there anymore. And I was like, you know, this, we're not going to make any money. This is crazy. You guys don't want to expand. I want to expand. We're not going to make any money. They got together and said, all right, you're out of here. Funny thing was, I was still there because I was still equity partner. So I was like, cool. Now who's going to, which one of you is going to do my job to make sure we still make money. Right. And still give me a check. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, uh, they didn't think that through and they spent like a ton of money on legal fees. So I was soured on the restaurant business for a long time. I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing it. I don't want to be involved. The only way I would do it again is like as a side project where I have another revenue stream and I can help somebody do it. I don't know if it was me putting it out to the universe or what, but like, an opportunity came along with a kid I went to culinary school with and he was like, um, I, he lost his job and he was like, I need to get on my feet. I need to do something. And I said, look, I can help you. He's like, I'll give you some equity. He's like, I, I'll help you, but I don't want to be here. I do not want to be here. So it's tacos. It's tacos and quesadillas and all that stuff. And it's taken off. But I started taking more time than I, what I really want. But, you know, I have to figure out if that's really the way I want to keep going because that's to get a restaurant brand off the ground and to be consistent with what it takes to, to make that every day, six days a week is harder than ever. And it's a real grind. And if you're not on top of it, it's, it is soul crushing Yeah. And, uh, to get it up on your, up on its feet and have it stand on its own and have those systems run. Uh, thankfully I just transferred the same systems that we had there, but um, you know, I'd like to see it keep running. I think it has potential to be a big, you know, we're 900 square feet. We have no servers. We have no bartenders. We have margaritas, beers, um, Palomas, Mezcal Negronis, and yeah. Tito's and soda. Because that's all I want. Because when people don't know, if they don't want, you know, Mezcal Negroni, uh, margarita, or any of that stuff, they're like, no, oh, just give me a Tito's and soda. Great. That's, we have that too. That's my so, wife's go-to, go-to thing. Yeah, there you go. So it's like, I see that as being some sort of revenue stream. Going forward, I love my job as a commercial real estate advisor and what I do because we find we look for emerging brands. So like if La La Taqueria was an emerging brand, I would say, okay, great. I love what you guys do. I want to help you build a pipeline. And what's really cool is the technology and all that stuff around that is not just throwing dartboards or looking at listings like, oh, there's a space over here for you. Let's go look at this space in Bronxville. Or let's go look at this space over here in White Plains. It's a national scale. It uses uh, mobile data from cell phones to identify core demographics and psychographics. So your phone has 700 apps that do your location. 
It knows where you are for six to eight hours during the day and knows where you are for six to eight hours at night. Based on where you live and where you work, it creates a profile and what those people are in there. So I just did one for a golf concept. They're an entertainment go indoor golf simulator with a bar. And this guy pulled up data that said, okay, here's where your customers come from. All these little dots around the area. This is the concentration of people and this is the makeup of their demographics, how much they make. He broke it down to how much they spend a year on sports accessories, how much golf they watch on TV, how much times a year they play golf. Now, it's not perfect, but it's pretty accurate. If you got guys who live in Rye, they're making $400,000 a year. Guys who live in Rye who make $400,000 a year play golf 40 times a year, whatever the case may be. So it's amazing that that data is there. And then what we can do is overlay that data over the whole country. Yeah. Now we say like, hey, up in Syracuse, we've got another pocket here. And then I'm going to call you because you're the broker in Syracuse. Say, hey, Matt, I don't know anything about this, but it looks like to me like 123 Main Street is in a great area. And you'll be like, you know what? Yeah. Go up there and you're like, look, it's great, but you want to be on this side of the street, not on that side of the street because whatever. Yeah. So I love that we're not just, we're helping, we're actually helping people and saving time. And we're, we're, what I do comes in handy is that, and like to the point with social media is I give it all away. Like you got to take your garbage out here. That's going to be a problem. This over here, where are you getting deliveries in? Who's, what store is that? How long have they been there? Are they always this nosy? Like, what's the deal? Can they hear you next door? Can we hear them next door? You know, so that that part i could see doing forever you know yeah. and, and I, I mean i, I think it's because it's a national stage right so like we're going out to la next week to work with a client it's the same thing and i think it's being able to provide that insider perspective and my partner jessica curtis has like she has done this at scale for people like she took a concept from three units to 57 units and they sold for 370 million dollars wow. so she's got some street cred on the deal yeah. side yeah so, the two of us together, we can really make things happen. So I absolutely love it. Where's it all headed? I don't know. You know, I think it's, I can tell you this, like to your point before is you got to keep fucking moving in this life right now. Cause there are kids. When I say kids, like, you know, we're in our forties now and 25, 30 that are coming at you full steam ahead with their podcasts, their web shows, their vlogs, their this. And if you're not keeping up, they're going to come past you if they haven't already. And it's going to be a fucking problem for you because brands are going to die. I mean, brand, brands are going to survive. The big brands, like for me, like the, the names behind the wall, like the, the brokers or um, even the, the, the TV news channels are going to die because you can yeah. put something on YouTube that people are going to find more entertaining. So more important than ever to put yourself out there. And I do to, to the extent of, you know, I'm going to do it until somebody tells me to shut up. You can't do it. Anymore. That's the thing about you that, that, that like, obviously to your clients and customers, but to me, it's kind of inspiring. And that's the, that's the big deal that anybody that wants to work in a creative field or do anything really is you have to be fucking brave, right? And at this point though now, right? So we're in our 40s and we're talking about all the mistakes that we've made. So while I don't like it, I am not afraid to fail. Like yeah. I, I, I am certain to fail. Shit, I'm probably gonna fail three more times before I go to bed today. Yeah, right. I don't want to, but I will, right? But so you're in that position now where you have these different options, you can do these different things, but you're still brave. And that's the thing too, that if you stay, if you take that bravery in order to say, I wanna do this, but then do it, stay on top of it. Um, that's, that's where the magic happens. Man. And I tell you, from, from, that only comes from screwing up. If you wanna sit on your couch and hem and haw about whether you're gonna start your YouTube show or you're gonna open up a restaurant, you're not gonna, you're never gonna get it done. And I think that what people think is, I'm going to wait till I'm ready. I'm going to wait till I'm ready. I'm going to wait till I have all this. And to an extent, that's true. But like, go for it. Like, if you need to call somebody to try to raise money, call that uncle. 
Go to the bank, talk to them and see what the deal is. Create energy around it because you're sitting on your ass and going to get it done. And if you're worried about other people's fucking like idea of you or what they say, you need to get over that shit because nobody, nobody. I mean, I've had this conversation with my wife. I don't give a shit what you think about this. I'm posting it. That's not for you. It is not for you. If the, people, if the people you're talking with that are in your circle, right, if they matter to you and if you really matter to them, then if you think it's a good idea, you believe in it, then they're going to support that. Like my wife, like I'm like, hey, I'm going to get my MBA and go teach. And she could have been like, and do consulting. She could have been like, that's a stupid idea. And it probably was a stupid idea, but it's worked out. Yeah. And she's probably let me, I mean, she's so supportive and stuff. But if you have people that are around you that are willing to let you really spread your wings and, and do what you got to do, that's where you're going to go. And if not, then you're not around the right people. Then be around different people. Yeah, right. And I think, you know, my wife is the best because she's a super harsh critic. And she'll tell me, like, no, that sucks. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, no. But you have to really, like you said, audit those people around you. Are you listening to, to somebody too much? And I think that's been me. As, I mean, you can argue that I should have listened to people more. But I think that, like, I knew when I left Mindshare and went to go work with Chilver's boy over at Morgan Stanley, I was there and I was like, this ain't for me. Yeah. I, I walked in there one day after being there for about six months and I was just like sat down and I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm, I'm never coming back here. See you later. And I never, never went back. Yeah. So I, it's, you know, I guess it's a little bit of, you got to have a balance of the two, but I think at the end of the day, somebody who's looking to brand themselves or start a project, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, a YouTube show, uh, movement creates energy, energy creates like momentum and momentum creates a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to see that you that you started this because I know you were you had mentioned it to me and kind of like quasi I'm doing something and then when I saw the branding and the website and everything came out it looks fucking phenomenal so congrats bro that's awesome and I, and I look forward to seeing the um whatever the hell you guys got going on there I'm sure your St. Patty's Day thing is going to be off the rock yeah yeah well you know what um I appreciate that because you were one of the first people I called about it because you were doing something I'm like I'm just going to like test this dude test the temperature on what this guy thinks about it. Um, but we're trying, man, and we're getting the grind on. And I, you know, if this fails, which is very possible, it will. I will not, when I'm 50 years old, sit on the couch and be like, I wonder what if. I wonder what. Yeah, I'm right. like, no way, dude. Like, I, I will empty both barrels. Yeah. If I believe in it, and that's that's where we're coming from, man. And because you know what happens though, even if it, if it fails, if it doesn't work out, you learn so much in that process that you know you're gonna be sitting there one day, like, you know what? I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. Not a cooking show. It's a podcast or you know what? It is a cooking show, but it's uh, always going to be in the back of a trailer. And I'm going to be always at college tailgates or whatever, whatever the story is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to lead to something else. There's been, there's a kid now. He's a local kid started. Have you seen this kid? The Shirley Temple King? No. This kid was like with his dad in like Rhode Island on vacation. The dad was doing his thing on Instagram, taking a picture or whatever, posing. And the kid was like, he's like five. I don't know. He's real young. And he's like, I want an Instagram account. And his dad was like, well, what the hell are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to rate Shirley Temples. And the guy was like, that's actually not that bad. That's a cool kid's idea. 300,000 followers. He's like, people what? are begging, yeah, begging him to go there to rate Shirley Temples. He was just on Barstool. Like, yeah. So but my point is, the, any, if this kid can get 300,000 followers, and it's about attention, right? He yeah. can get attention. People are going to pay him for that attention. Yes. That's what it's all about. And it's yeah. like, the, re the reluctance for somebody to get out there and be like, I'm super in, interested in painting watercolors. I'm going to do a YouTube thing on watercolor painting. And it's just going to be like, I like to paint candy. He could have a million followers. I like yeah, to paint yeah, candy. Yeah. And build, yeah and, or do a podcast and get paid for it. 
Think about this though, man. I think about people that I, like the crew that I hang out with are usually really funny men and women. They're like creative and charming, all those things. And any of them would be interesting hosts on podcasts or cooking shows or things like that. But it comes down to like a lot of people don't want to try this. And I've gotten over it, I think, because probably so many people think I'm a tool, but um, haters are going to hate everywhere, man. And whether I'm quoting Taylor Swift or Mark Sanchez, I don't know. But either way, dude. People are going to hate you no matter what. And those people, they don't matter because they yeah. look for reasons. Like, there's a kid that I went to high school with um, that he was a year older than me that played baseball in, uh, in the majors, Jason Grilly. And um, super nice guy, had a great major league career, played in the All-Star game when he was with the Pirates, I think. Anyways, I remember like when he first like, had his major league debut, I was somewhere at a bar in Baldwinsville or Syracuse. And one of my friends was like, he's going to get shelled. I'm like, why would you want this dude to get shelled, man? Like, yeah. he's from your hometown. That's, that's baller. Yeah, so right. Yeah. I learned then that people, you're always going to have people that are going to hate in the comments. Like, um, but you need to get over that because you're never going to change their opinion. They will find a reason to hate. Like, if you gave them a check for $10 million, they would bitch about having to pay taxes. Oh, yeah. You know? right, yeah so, yeah. I, I mean, those people exist. So you can't deal with that. You have to, I mean, live without worrying about them. And it's hard. I mean, it's easier said than done because now I'm a fat old 42-year-old dude that, like, I guess it doesn't matter what people think of me. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah. what the story is. But it's something like that, you know? Yeah, it is. And, and you see that a lot with restaurant owners who are almost, they're, like, hesitant to change something. They're like, I know it's the right thing to change it, but so-and-so really likes it. And, they, and you know what? Fuck them. They're not coming in enough to buy it. You got to move it. And that was a lot of things on the consultancy side was, oh, we're not, we're just not making our numbers. Well, what do you, well, our best, you know, our, everyone loves this dish. And I'm like, you, know, you say everyone loves it, but it's, you have 40 menu items. It's number 34. Yeah. Maybe you got to get rid of it, dude. Yeah. People are loving this salad or what is that special that was that night? You got to do it. And people's reluctancy to deal with the backlash, I think is, I mean, it's a real thing. Like you can feel it. It's probable. You can feel it. But like, I think getting over that is the key to success in terms of getting any kind of project. Like I said, with it, your, your cooking you know, show, your restaurant, but, but you mentioned, I mean, you're stop. talking about that stuff and it obviously works in the restaurant business, but it works everywhere. And like people say, ball don't lie. Numbers don't lie. And I hate it. Yeah. Like I hate getting on the scale every morning. Right. But the data though, like we'll look at a cooking episode we did and one of them we didn't expect to do well. I had like, uh, I don't know, like 400 views, and we thought it would be like kind of a throwaway one. Yeah. And you go back and look at it, I'm like, okay, now we need to do more of this and not have, you know what I mean? But that data is, that's that's real data. So if people aren't buying this, then sh then, then change it up. You can still stay true to your brand and replace something on a menu or like come at it a different way. Stay true to yourself, but respect the information you're getting because if you don't trust the numbers, like you should trust your gut instinct, but don't trust nostalgia and old time memories. Like, no. Um, if you and I were to were to go out together tonight, we would have a really good time. But I guarantee you, the way with which we would go out would be slightly different when when we were twenty two. Because our bodies can't handle it. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Well, a number one, I'd have to be bed by seven thirty. Right. And that would be. So we'd have to go out right now. So that would yeah be two hours, and like have to have like five beers and five waters. Right. <laughs> I but I think we'd maximize that. I think we we'd work some tacos into that. Oh, oh dude, uh, I'll tell you what. Like we so this taqueria restarted it and I let my partner run with it and he does he was a, a chef and he was not a marketing guy not a branding guy didn't really get anything and he was like I'm gonna call it PTL it's gonna stand for uh Petite Taqueria I'm like that's a cute actually I like that name yeah me too Taqueria Larchmont I'm like honey but what if we open up in Rye well then we're gonna change it and well then we're losing brand recognition aren't we totally so he's like uh okay so I'm like I do you know what go run with it puts it up 
well, there's already a petite taqueria in LA, so we got a season to assist like five days later. Awesome. Okay. So let's change it to pequeña taquerias. Sounds a little too, so we're trying to be Mexican without being Mexican. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how many times you need to hear people say pequeña without the accent or quesadilla or yeah, carnita. Like yes. try to like this fit. So it's like, okay, this that's not gonna work. So we've been open for a year, we've been crushing, thank God. And I was like, we need to rebrand this whole place. New name, new everything. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, everything. Change the name, change the color, change the vibe, change the energy because we have something here. He's like, but what's everybody going to think? I'm like, dude, I'm telling you right now, we changed it's going to be for the better. We changed it to Lala Taqueria, LA, for LA style and Larchmont, LA. Yep. And um, the woman who helped me with it, she used to be the head of like uh, graphic design for Reebok. So Smaller. she had a lot of hand-drawn fonts, very cool look. But that was the thing where you just got to go for it. Yeah, the painting the whole fucking place pink and black, and the music is like '80s, and we have Nikki Six posters, and we have like authentic Mexican street tacos, but we might have yeah. like an eggplant taco. We might have something a little bit different, and you know that's an example of you got to go with your gut sometimes to roll your roll the dice, and I think that's something that so many people get caught up in. The, like people still are like, well, why'd you do it? You change your name again? Yeah, I changed the name again. Yeah, deal with it. Yeah, what's the <laughs> But you're asking me this over a taco you just fucking ordered on my counter. So yeah, what's your deal? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something cool about going after that, your own choice, right? But you also said, too, like, it's Mexican without being Mexican. And the thing is, one of the things is the default setting for some people is, like, I mean, I'm not trying to be totally politically correct, but, like, let's appropriate some culture. Throw a bunch of fucking sombreros on and put a couple of ponchos on yeah. and serve margaritas and, and think they were taco makers. One, that's, that's slimy and shady. But yeah. if, you, if you take a style of food that you respect and that you're good at and you put your spin on it, like Nikki Six, you probably got, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've got, like, maybe some Ric Flair activity up in there somewhere. No, you know what I mean? that's a good call. I don't, but that would be awesome. That might, it might, it might help out. So, I mean – you know that but that's what makes it different and that's what you're doing because you know what those people that come back oh you changed your name yeah i did like you know what prince changed his name to a symbol and people still bought the records because prince was still prince you know and that's what it comes down to and i, and I think you know it goes back to it's exactly that is the backlash is that long you change your name again yeah we changed it again why i tell them the story like no oh, okay that makes sense people move on and i hate that this is a bad analogy but it speaks perfectly to this point when's the last time you heard something about kobe bryant this fucking dude was one of the biggest basketball stars of all time. Horrible tragedy. The world was enamored with it for three fucking days. Yep. Now it's like, what's next? Yeah. So in this day and age, you got to be able to move. The, you got to be able to move. You got to be able to like make these decisions in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that's going to benefit you. And if, the, and if it's a bad outcome, then you're the one that's going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and, and, and that, that bad outcome, you have to deal with it and be prepared for it. But the idea of staying relevant, man, is like, under, like to your point, let's change the colors in here. Like, there's, uh, I, I think about a website once that, um, I, used to, that I, I, still, that I still love. Um, and I, I saw on Reddit, they had a throwback nostalgia thing where they were showing the old website. And I thought about one of my favorite restaurants um, in New York. And I went back there, um, I don't know, like for business, like, last year and I took some people to this restaurant and they had changed everything in there. And for the first five minutes, I was like, Oh, it's not like I remember it. But then all of a sudden I'm sipping a drink and I'm like, yeah, that table's dope as hell, dude. Right. I mean, people will adapt to change if you're doing it for the right reason. And I think that's a big deal. Look, that is, that's the whole deal. And more so than ever, you can actually learn from people, right? You can connect on social media. You can, somebody can say, Hey, this sucked. That's I was at this place and sucked. Hey, you know, fancy pants, 75. Why did you think that it sucked? 
And if you're not utilizing that information to get to, you know, to like make yourself better, whether it's a restaurant or like a YouTube comment, you can look at it. Like I look at our, our Yelp reviews and I say, okay, who's the best one? Who's the worst one? Obviously I don't, I don't think we're five stars, but we probably right. did something that fucking irritated me. So I take that with a grain of salt and I take the one, like the one star with more serious. I want to say like, what happened here? Like I had an incident with my partner the other day. I'm like, what happened here? Is this even remotely true? And he's kind of like, oh, I don't read Yelp. Okay, well, you fucking need to read Yelp because that's, that's the something data, happened dude. here because these people are not going to tell you and you think everything's great. You're buying people shots and all this stuff. But this person said it's the worst fucking taco they ever had. We got a problem. Well, well he's yeah, just yeah. an asshole. Yeah, that could be too, but. But, but yeah, but you still got to use the data. And you know what? Like also too, I think, wasn't that your AOL IM handle, Fancy Pants 75? It was. I still have it. You can hit me up on IM, IM uh, Instant Messenger uh, anytime. Late Love night. It. Yeah. <laughs> Late That's night. one of the drop down prompts on your scheduling thing. Like, but it's, it's your away message. Like Fancy Pants 75, <laughs> BRB. Well, I even keep it more real with a dial-up connection. <laughs> no, no, I want that delay. Yeah, I want that real-time delay. Let me ask you this, dude. I've been thinking about this, right? Like, and I'm not hating on it because I've been accused of being a hipster and stuff. Like the big vinyl trend and vinyl school. I think vinyl school. But do you think like the kids that are like five years old right now, like in 20 years, are gonna be like, "Yo, I got this six CD ROM. Check this, check this thing yeah, out." Dude. And it's gonna be a yes, throwback. I do. You know, we, we had a uh, we were <laughs> Leslie and I were talking the other night about like the Walkman, and then like the Walkman Sport came out. The yellow yeah, one? Whoa. And then the Discman came out. And then the Discman yeah. Sport. And Jordana was like, what is that? She's like, you can only listen to like one thing? Like you can only listen to like New Kids on the Block and then you had to oh, stop, open to them. Like, yeah. She's like, that's awful. Totally. And she didn't get it. She's like, it's cool. That's portable. Then we'll like, what? You're going to carry all these CDs with you? She's like, what the hell is that? But you know what I think is funny? Why the hell? And I'm, this isn't my joke, but I heard somebody say it. Why the hell is the save icon still the floppy disk? Dude, I don't know, man. The phone icon <laughs> is still like an old school phone. But the floppy disk, though, like, I, I, I think I saw the same joke, too. Like, I had a, I saw a meme of some kid holding it and be like, oh, you 3D printed the save icon. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But I, I, I got to say, man, like, I go, I, like, I really wonder about, like, dude, I was wearing a Wu-Tang shirt the other day in class. And um, this, this was, like, this actually last year. But in my mind, it was yesterday because I'm old now. But I walked into class and we're talking and I have a Wu-Tang shirt on. And after class, she comes up to me and she goes, hey, Professor Reed, um, I just want to tell you that that's a cool shirt. I'm like, thanks. She goes, I love classic rock too. I'm like, Wu-Tang? And she's like, yeah, man, they're like 20 years old. And I was like, oh, man, they are. It was super embarrassing. That album's got to be, what, 25 years old? Yeah. I, actually, you know, the thing is, I just read, though, about the Wu-Tang, which is great, was, like, you know that super sketchy villain who's, like, going to burn a million deaths in hell? Um, that dude that was uh, upcharging, like, AIDS vaccines and stuff like that? Yes, yes. He bought – so Wu-Tang wrote an album, right, and they produced it, and he bought it for $2 million. He retains the right to it. The rumor is that in the contract, when the Wu-Tang gave it to him, they are allowed one heist to try to steal it back. And there's no legal recourse if they do that. So wait, what do you I mean a heist? To their brilliance, yeah, like they could, like like a, like a caper. I think is what it, it might have been the heist clause or something. But but what do you mean? Yeah, like they can try to like get it back from him, like pirate, like steal him, steal it. Like bust into his house and like steal it back, and then once they do, the rights revert back to the Wu Tang Clan. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. 
I, I mean, I think it was the other day I saw that the Beastie Boys album is 30 years old. License sale is 30 years old. I, 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 it bothers me when I see stuff like that. Because you know what else, too, man? Like, this is true. Um, to me, the 90s were like five years ago. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah, but oh, you know, man. What's even worse is that these conversations are what fucking old people would say when we were kids. Like, look at this guy. He still thinks it's 1965. Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Um, but occasionally though, like I'll, um, like, so I, I'll, with my students, I'll like make playlists for music. So they come in and I'll encourage them to put it on there so I can learn new music. But like I had, um, like one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I had Led Zeppelin banging and, um, like cashmere or something like that. Um, and the student walks in and he's like, yo, Greta Van Fleet, dude. And I'm like, actually Greta Van Fleet is sounds like Led Zeppelin. He's like, no, they don't. I'm like, no, no, they, they do, man. No, they actually do, yeah. You know, so, you know, a lot of <laughs> That's the learning curve, thing, man. man. Like, I'll play you some real music. That's all right, dude. You got to embrace your role, right? Be authentic yeah. who you are. Yeah, that's what it is, man. Yo, look, listen, man, I could talk to you forever. What are we going to do? This has been a, a great use of time, and I, I, we got to get together soon. Maybe I want to be on some, the show. I, be, yeah. I know I said that from the beginning, but I don't know how. I know you guys are all the way up there in Syracuse. I definitely would rather come up there in the warm weather, but let's, let's plan on that. Yeah, because we, we, we came up with a couple of ideas of some stuff that, that might be a good fit with you. And uh, we thought maybe two episodes, like a taco episode, but a drink episode. Yeah. Um, because it's awesome. I mean, I, and I got to thank you too, man. Like, first, you were encouraging of this idea before anything got off the ground. And then I was telling my partner about that. And that kind of reinforced our desire to do it. So th thank you for that. And then also, too, when we launched it, bro, you were sharing on Instagram. You're posting everywhere. And you didn't need to do that. And, and I'm always going to remember that. I mean, I'm never going to pay you anything for it, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> Yo, let me get some gear. Do you have any, like, like give me some spatchcock? Gear. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'll send you, um, I got some spatchcock stickers which I'll send you, they look like this. And then um, I'm gonna send you, what we're working on now is we have one of our, our buddies who's a creative director and ad agency is making us like, like the t-shirt to end all t-shirts. So what we're gonna do is we're not gonna sell those, at least not right away, because no one will buy them. But we're gonna. <laughs> no, we're not, it's not that we don't want to sell them. We're not gonna <laughs> yeah, sell them. we're just not going to. So what we're gonna do though first is like we're gonna offer it. We're gonna put it on Instagram and social media and be like, hey, make one of our dishes and we'll send you a free T-shirt because we've already had people start posting like, yo, I made the you know pig candy from Spatchcock. So we'll send you one definitely, dude. All right, for sure. And, what, and tell everybody where they can find uh, the Spatchcock. Uh, yep, stuff so. Now www that's the World Wide web spatchcockfunk.com and then go to youtube go to spatchcockfunk search our channel subscribe it that's where we need people to be living and breathing babe and no one's gonna, no one's gonna uh get in trouble for writing spatchcock on on youtube right like it's not dude you know what like some people are like we're like oh my gosh this is such like a racy name and, and when we chose it we'd like to double entendre a little bit yeah but, one of our original names was like sex drugs and lobster rolls so like we didn't go with that name you know what i mean that's a great um, one i'm stealing that one though you that's can a good instagram account <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it is an account oh, i'm sure i got that from somebody but that should be a special the taco restaurant one night you know you know we, we were messing, yeah mole yeah mole we, we were messing with some um octopus mole the other day Ooh, yeah, that's like, what's uh, up it was a uh what the hell was it, it was like a, my tentacles on there man yeah it was a fucking it was a pork belly taco with some sort of like Asian thing that was really good. But pork belly, I mean, you don't really need anything. Yeah. Like soy I, I sauce, saw, root beer sauce or something. Was, yeah. I saw something the other day and the, a buddy of mine, he goes, yeah, sometimes I like pork belly. Sometimes I don't like, look, if you meet somebody and they don't like pizza, don't trust that person. No. Yeah. You know, if someone's yeah, like, I'm okay. Like Unless you're kosher or allergic or you're Muslim, there's no reason not to eat pork belly. Yeah. Other than those reasons, then you have no excuse. I don't try. I don't trust you. And we're yeah. not friends. That's it. All right, brother.
thanks so much. And uh, yeah. Dude, super man. appreciate it, man. I'm, I can't wait to watch the next podcast. <laughs> it's going to be you. That's, <laughs> That's right, why I'm into it. Hell yeah, brother. Later on. Take care. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I want to take a second here and just remind you that, like I said earlier, my goal is to help reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. So what I did is I went on my Instagram and I created a link to my calendar. And if you head there and you click the link in my bio and you scroll down, you'll see that there's a drop down menu there and it says 15 minute phone consultation. So if you're a restaurant owner operator and you just have a quick question, you don't know where to turn, whether it's about operations, whether it's about a startup, how to find money or what to do with this particular server, whatever the case may be, I am there for you. It's a free 15 minute phone consultation and I'm here to help. So if you need it, you know how to find me and continue to listen and support the podcast. I would love if you would uh, share, comment, review, whatever, all that fun stuff. Uh, and I just appreciate the love and support I've been getting for this. So we're going to keep cranking them out. And if you're interested in being on the show, please hit me up. Best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram, or you can always text me at 631-965-1300. Thanks so much again, guys.